0: Good morning. The scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, and it can be found on page 843 in the Brown Pew Bible. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God.
1: Thanks be to God. (laughs) Well, Lord, we... Come to your word now and pray your blessing on your word and your blessing on our minds and on our hearts. And we pray, Lord, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, today we begin a series in prayer. I'm excited for this. This will take us um, through most of the summer. We'll focus really in June, and then July will be kind of broken up We'll come back to it in August. And for most of this time, we'll be camping out in the Lord's Prayer, in both this passage in Luke and the parallel passage in Matthew chapter 6. And we'll dip into other parts of Scripture as well that, that relate to prayer. But I want to begin this whole series with a confession. I am not happy with my prayer life. I don't pray often enough. I don't pray fervently enough. I lean heavily on the asking for things and don't do as much adoring and thanking and praising and confessing. I don't pray with as much faith as I should. And I share this kind of to set the stage first to let you know that I don't stand here as an expert on prayer. Uh, There are no experts on prayer, to be honest. It's a journey that we are all on. Secondly, I share that because I think you can all relate to my experience. I don't think there's a one of us in this room who can say, my prayer life is awesome. I just, I can't get any better in prayer, right? I mean, come on, Who, who could say that? And my goal for this whole series is that we would all grow in prayer. Not knowing more about prayer or knowing techniques in prayer, but actually grow in our prayer lives. That whether, whether you pray 30 seconds a week or one hour a day, I pray that we would just kind of go to the next level. Maybe learn to pray with more faith. Or more regularity, or more honesty, or more um, focus on God and His goodness. Whatever it is, getting out of a rut in prayer, broadening the ways you pray. In this passage in Luke 11, it all starts because a disciple who is nameless here observes Jesus at prayer. And he must see something in Jesus in the way he prays, in the words he uses, in his attitude in prayer. He must see something that makes him go, wow, I need that kind of relationship with God. I want to pray like that. And so with him, we come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray for some of us it may not even be teach us how to pray just teach us to pray teach us to do it because it's hard and things in life conspire against us being able to pray okay so in this passage the key word that i want you to take away from this sermon today is more prayer is more important than we think, than we know. Prayer is more profound than we know. And prayer is more powerful than we know. Okay? And as we as we get started, I want you to do one thing with me. I want you to picture um I, I want you to picture the way you think you should be praying whether it's I should be praying more or I should have a particular attitude or feeling when I pray or I should have a certain posture when I pray. All the things you think about like this is what I should do. And after you've thought of those things, I want you to let them go. Let them go because we cannot start in a place of guilt And like, oh, I know I'm not doing enough. It's not good enough. I'm such a bad Christian, yada, yada, yada. No, that's not the way Jesus approaches us. Just come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And he will do that. Okay, so prayer is more important than we know. Verse 1 begins, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, here's a truth so obvious we may overlook it. Jesus prayed. Okay? We know from reading the four Gospels that Jesus' prayer life was not just, uh, he just didn't pray occasionally or uh, casually, but he was a person of consistent, fervent, dynamic, deep prayer we see that all through the gospels he began his ministry with 40 days of solitude and prayer and fasting in the wilderness right what did he do the night before he called his 12 apostles to him he prayed all night long he prayed um, as his popularity grew he would escape the crowds and go to quiet desolate places to be alone with God and to pray He prayed a lot of the the, the evening before he was arrested. He spent in prayer with his disciples and by himself. Even while he was dying on the cross, he prayed. Jesus was a person of prayer. Even though he was God, he had to pray. You know, Jesus would not have been able to do his mission without prayer. Only through prayer he had the inner resources he he needed to withstand opposition, to be centered in what was true, to delight in his Father, to, to be able to answer his critics, to be able to teach his disciples. All the things he did came from prayer, right? And so if Jesus, the Son of God, Needed to do that how much more do we need it right prayer is so 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 important Jesus assumes that we will pray regularly in verse 2 uh, he said to them when you pray say this he didn't say if you pray but when you pray Prayer is meant to be a regular, consistent part of our lives. It's, our, it's, it's so important. Um, forgive me for using a story about Tim Keller two weeks in a row, but here it is. Um, Tim Keller wrote a book called Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God, which is excellent, by the way. And he begins this book by talking about how he came to the point of realizing that prayer was important. It was 2001. Now, at this point, he had already been a pastor in New York City for 12 years. He had been a seminary professor. He had been a Christian for most of his life, but it took several things conspiring uh, together to drive him to his knees. The first was 9-11. You know, as... New York City was attacked and um, he found himself with a congregation of New Yorkers needing comfort and encouragement and he found himself with a whole city needing, n- needing um, answers. At the same time, his wife was battling the effects of Crohn's disease, which were debilitating, and he was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And so... Um, He writes that for many years, he and his wife Kathy had attempted to regularly pray together without success. But, But during this season of intense hardship, his wife came to him and said this. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Uh, she says, imagine that you were told you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No, it would be so crucial to you that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. And then she said, well, if we, if we don't pray together to God, we are not going to make it because of all we are facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't just let it slip our minds. This is what Tim Keller's wife told him, and he finally got it. And that was the beginning of a, of a renaissance of prayer in his life. Now, I have been slow to realize this myself, that prayer is so important. But we literally cannot make it without prayer. I know many of you are going through hardships right now, whether it's a health issue or a family crisis or um, a heartbreak. And if those hardships do anything for you, let them drive you to your knees in prayer. And that will be a good thing. Because then we'll realize how important prayer is. Someone else has written, Only he who is helpless can truly pray. That's when we realize how important prayer is. So that's the first thing. Prayer is more important than we realize. Number two, prayer is more profound than we know. When we pray as Jesus taught, we learn to swim in the deep waters of the soul. And here's where we really need Jesus' teaching and the words of Scripture because if we simply try to learn to pray by um, figuring it out ourselves, our prayers will be self-centered. We'll start with our desires, our priorities, our concerns, our kingdom. Right? But But... There's definitely a place for those things, but that's but that's not what prayer is all about. So by looking at this model prayer from Jesus, we can see the kind of prayer that brings depth and intimacy in our relationship with God. Now in a few weeks, we're going to really plunge into this prayer line by line in Matthew 6, but I just want to show you the contours of this to see what kind of depth, true prayer brings us into. Okay, it begins Father. Now, prayer is not addressed to an abstract thing. It's not shouting words into the sky. It's not to the man upstairs or the great spirit in the sky or even to a, a cold and distant God, but it's to a Father. And you know the way that we get to pray to God as Father is because Jesus knows God as Father. No one before Jesus called God Father in the Bible. Only Jesus addressed God in this intimate way. And because we know Him, we get to come to His Father's house with Him and sit at His Father's table and speak to Him. We get to come to God the Father through Jesus. And look at these first two requests of the prayer. And by the way, Luke's version is a condensed version, which shows you that Jesus didn't use the same exact words every time he taught this, right? But the first two requests hallowed be your name, and your kingdom come. So right away, we're told that. We begin prayer with worship and adoration of God and by asking that his name and his reputation and his kingdom, his reign and rule, would be uh, what we're all about, right? His kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, actually that clause is not in the Luke version, but imagine what is it like in heaven? It's perfect. Right? God says something, and it happens. There's no suffering. There's no disobedience to God. And we want that reality to come to earth, that God's kingdom would be, would be greatest. I don't know about you, but when I sit down to pray, often the stuff at the top of my list is kind of the things I want, Right? or just the things that I should ask for like please help so and so with a surgery coming up and please bless this person as they travel you know but if that's all we pray for we are missing out we're missing out prayer is meant to be an intimate relationship with God the Father and praying for what what really matters most which is his kingdom his name, and then our needs fit into this, right? The next is a personal request. Give us this day our daily bread. We, we ask God to provide what we need. But that puts our desires in perspective, doesn't it? Because that's not all prayer is. That's not even the first thing prayer is. It's about centering ourselves on God. God. And then there's a space for confession of sin and asking for forgiveness. I love uh, what C.S. Lewis wrote, that we must lay before him what actually is, not what ought to be in us. What actually is in us. That's confession. And we have the privilege of being able to confess our sins, which is simply to name what is wrong in us, what we've done, the choices we've made, the patterns we live in, before a God who is a loving Father, not a harsh judge, not a condemning person, but a loving, forgiving Father. Through prayer, we get to know not just who God is, but who we are, because we examine ourselves in the light of God's presence. We say, forgive us our sins, and The next line is a bit scary. (laughs) What does it say? For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Woo! Now you can rattle that off in about two seconds, but that represents hard spiritual work. Forgiveness is hard, isn't it? But whatever we forgive, whatever people have done to us is nothing compared to what God has forgiven us. And so this puts it in perspective. Finally, we pray for help in overcoming evil. Lead us not into temptation. And of course, in Matthew it says, but deliver us from evil. Set us free from evil. Protect us from evil. Friends, I don't know about you, but we are not spiritual superheroes. We have we are creatures with very little protection of our own. And we depend on God for help and protection and and that he would spare us from entering into situations that he knows we can't handle. Right? But if our confidence is in him, if we say, please God, save me from evil, protect me, lead me not into temptation. We admit our weakness to him and he provides help and strength. Now, do you see how much spiritual territory is covered in those short six or seven lines, right? And as Martha alluded to, these are not just words to say, these are Doors to open up, whole rooms of prayer, whole ways, uh, ways of, of relating, of communicating with God. Um, learning to pray and learning to live in this kind of prayer deepens our relationship with God. I, I think there's actually no other way to grow in our relationship with God but to pray. Because prayer, you see, we can have all kinds of ideas about God. We can have all kinds of true ideas about God. But unless we pray those ideas into reality, they're just ideas. It's one thing to believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Check. But it's a whole different thing to confess your sins to God, to be broken by them, and to in prayer, claim the forgiveness that has been won for you through Jesus. To name it. To speak it. Right? That is, that's where your ideas become reality. That's where the rubber meets the road in our spiritual lives. And so the only way to deepen our relationship with with God is to pray. If someone asks you, how is your relationship with God doing? Another way to ask that question is, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? Because that is where we relate to God, soul to soul, Uh, you know, ourselves to God. Do you ever, do you sit down and like not know what to say when you pray? Or do you find yourself saying the same things over and over again? Or do you, um, do you find yourself just asking for things that God will give you? We need Jesus to teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I want to challenge each of you uh, this week to take five minutes a day and do what we just did in our prayer time today. Pray through the Lord's Prayer, not just as words, but as uh, access points to these different areas of prayer. Use these, the lines that Jesus taught us to trigger your own personal requests and praises and confessions. Just five minutes a day and see what happens. See what happens. I think you'll find that prayer is more profound than you know. It's deeper than you know. And yes, it can be hard, but nothing good is easy. Right? Anything that is worth doing in life is challenging. But prayer is so rewarding. Okay, number three. There's one more thing I want to point out today. Briefly, that's this. A prayer is more powerful than we know. Because as good as it is to have the connection with God in prayer or to be forgiven and, to, you know, savor the sweetness of God forgiveness and to worship God. Also, prayer does things. Prayer changes things. Um, in verses 5 through 8, I'm not going to read them, but Jesus tells this little parable um, about a man, or, you know, going to a friend's house at bedtime and knocking on the door And sort of annoying this person into getting up and giving him some bread. Which is kind of an odd story to teach about prayer. But there you have it. And Jesus' point is this. There is power in asking. Even asking another human being produces results. How much more when we ask our Father in heaven who loves us. Jesus says this, So I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, when I read those words or preach those words, I'm tempted to say, yes, but... Yes, but sometimes we don't always get what we want. Yes, but prayer can be very disappointing. Yes, but um, uh, don't forget that God sometimes says no, right? But just for a minute, I want, to, I want us to hear Jesus' words at face value. Ask and you will receive. Receive. Never forget, friends, that when we pray, things happen. People get saved. People get healed. Provision comes in time. People are set free from oppression. Um, nations are put on different courses. Right? History is changed by prayer. Charles Spurgeon, the, the so-called Prince of Preachers, famously said, Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscle of omnipotence. Prayer connects us to God, the God who reigns over all, who is powerful, and who can do miracles. And there are things in your life and in my life and in our church and in this world that will not happen unless we ask them to. So I hope you can come to this series about prayer feeling excited, like, God, what are you going to do in our lives? What are you going to change in this world because we pray? Anyone who asks, receives. Lord, teach us to pray. And so, as we, as we launch into this series what's going what's gonna to make a difference is not my sermons about prayer, is not thinking about prayer, but it's actually praying. And so, um, we just need to practice prayer. And I want to show you some opportunities to do that. <clears throat> the first is what I mentioned about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the second is a short thing here that... Each week in the bulletin, we're going to have a prayer focus listed. And we thought this would be a cool way to be united in prayer for something as a church each week. Now this week, it's actually pray for our church to experience new passion, power, and intimacy intimacy with God in prayer. We're praying about prayer. (laughs) Lord, teach us to pray. So would you pray that with me this week for our church? The second thing is um, uh, Something you can access through right now media called the prayer course and this is a really practical series of teachings about Prayer it's structured around the lord's prayer Um, It's very accessible very easy to understand and it gives you practical tools and prompts and ways to start praying so if you haven't signed up for Right Now Media, you can follow it, follow this link to do that. Um, but I, I challenge you to start working through these eight sessions of the prayer course. They're about 20 minutes per episode, so not a lot of time. Uh, watch them and better yet, discuss them with your spouse or a friend or in your small group Bible study, maybe, and see how God works through teaching us to pray. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Wherever you currently are in prayer, you can go deeper. And Jesus will teach you, will teach us to pray. Um, It's a journey. It's not something we're going to master. We are all learners, but Jesus will teach us. And so we say, Lord, teach us to pray. Amen.